Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? The Northern Redbacks are no more, but they go in the absolute best way with a bang bigger than a Will Smith slap at the Oscars. With an extra time comeback win in the night series final against Balcata. We'll discuss that, the men's NPL round two action and more on today's Perth Football Podcast. And welcome to episode three of the Perth Football Podcast. If you are hoping to tune in to discussion on the Will Smith-Chris Rock incident, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we've done that to death before we recorded, so you won't hear any of that here. It's all football. That's all we're going to talk about. We're going to kick off with that wonderful game, uh, wonderful day, rather, of uh, women's football yesterday uh, through into the evening. We kicked off uh, with the Hammersley-Subiaco Amateur game, which uh, end result Tommy was, refresh my memory. Hammersley Rovers won that game 2-1 over Subiaco. You so You can't put anything past Tommy Dolman. That was the voice of Tommy Dolman. Tommy, thanks for joining us in the studio for the first time. Yeah, good to make a uh, debut where I can actually see some faces. Uh, we're obviously always uh, joined by Kalichi Osunwa. Kel, how are you today? How's the COVID recovery coming? You're feeling better? Feeling good, mate. All done, all dusted. Just uh, working through now. No excuses anymore. And to complete the quartet of uh, people in the studio today, Josh Chyatt. Josh, thanks for coming on again. How you doing, Sean? It was a, a big joy to be in the studio last week and to hear your, your great energetic tones in person. I'm very excited to be here again. All right. Well, what a kiss ass. Uh, he is, isn't he? Yeah. And, and speaking of kissing ass, we've, what got about the most, my tones? we've got the most wonderful All right. podcast producer here, Hush Connective's own Robbie Figg, sitting on my right, uh, always doing a wonderful job. So thanks for being here as well, Rob, and giving up your time for us. Boys, uh, let's dive in. It was, as I said, a wonderful end to the night series uh, Sunday. I don't think we could have asked for better games. I will let you guys, we, we gave the score for the, for the amateur game. We won't dwell too long on that because I imagine we're going to have a lot to discuss on, on the following games, particularly that Northern Redbacks final game under that banner. Let's talk first of all before the State League final, uh, which the two of you commentated. Uh, Give us a wrap-up. Tommy. Yeah, so it was a really exciting game. Kalichi will attest to that. Um, uh, it was between the Hyundai NTC, a very young NTC side, and UWA Netherlands. Finished 2-2 after full-time and was 5-2 after extra time. Um, there was some pretty dramatic swings throughout the game. I think it was fair to say, Kalichi. We were watching the game and UWA got in front um, a little bit against the run of play, and we were waiting for NTC to really sort of capitalise on the on the possession that they did had have. Um, Mia Britton was a constant sort of danger down the right hand side, um, getting in behind UWA's back four uh, constantly. A really good battle actually on that flank with with Emily Gilson and uh, and one player in particular, Anisha Brooking, who who looks like an absolute star of the future, scored a great goal which got her team back into the game and and launched them towards that extra time period. She's been, she was absolutely stunning. 13 years old, playing in the number 10, but playing with such bravery. She constantly asked for the ball, constantly receiving it on the back foot. I, I, I can't think of a more like, remarkable performance from a 13-year-old playing against fully grown women in that situation, in that context, to not shy away um, and to be an absolute leader as well. And, and you mentioned Mia Britton and, and her performance. She was just this pocket rocket and... Constantly brave, always looking for the ball, um, taking on their, their marker on 
at all times. And, and I've got to say, also, the other person who really um, impressed me was Ruby Cuthbert, um, the captain. And you could tell that they're good when they've got long sleeves on and they're playing center back. But <laughs> like the, the way that she moved with the ball, the way that she led the team, the, the touches and composure, it, every time the ball came to her, she'd bring the ball down, play it into midfield, progress and start counterattacking as well. Um, that entire team... To, to be under 15 and to play that that well that they did, especially as they were the last team to kind of come into their into the competition because Armadale had to p- pull out spectacular performance and it really makes me think that the the f- future of WA football, especially from a woman's p- perspective and, and how they're progressing, it's in really good hands. Well, when you look at the development and you talk about the future of football, the NTC side really is the team that you're looking at isn't it and one thing that we noticed Kel I was we were all down at the game I was I was doing the emceeing for that one and and the two of you were on on the comms and then Kel you came down and and joined me as a just a football fan for the last game Um, (laughs) going late into the night as you always want two games that go to extra time on a a Sunday evening don't you Uh, but the thing we pointed out was when you see those NTC players walk past you after they've played, after they've come off the pitch, we've just watched them from afar up in the on the balcony there. They're footballers. They're all really talented footballers. They walk past you and you go, oh my goodness, you actually are a child. You're a child. It's past you your are, bedtime. You are 13 years of age and playing with the composure and ability of, of people much, much uh, more advanced in age. And that, that was really staggering to me just to see how young these girls are and how good they are. I think the, the the most outstanding thing for me was just the confidence. It was just the will to get on the ball. They were very confident because we, we were talking when UWA were leading throughout the game and we were sort of thinking, do they have to lift the tempo? Do they have to try and play a slightly earlier ball? Do they maybe have to try and get the wingers a little bit wider to sort mm. of spread things out a little bit and get UWA's defence running? But they kept playing how they were instructed to play. And that's a testament to the coaching with NTC that they believe in the system and they believe in, in that method and that style that they've clearly grown up playing. Um, and you could tell that obviously it was, it was pre-season. There was a sort of period of time where the legs were flagging and there was a little bit of a um, fatigue that was sort of setting in. Um, as, as the game was sort of wearing on. And, and in the end, UWA were just out on their feet. And once that first goal went in, um, early in extra time from Emily Garnett, it was it was pretty much it. And it was fitting, as Kel said, that um, Ruby Cuthbert did get that final goal right at the very end. It was a composed and mature performance far beyond her years. Who, who was the young girl with, the, uh, with all the long-range strikes that thundered a couple back off the crossbar? With the, with the long with the long curly hair that was Violet Longmore. What a player she looked as well, wasn't she? Incredible, just that just the footwork and the way she could hit a ball. Their technique wow. throughout the entire team and how they struck the ball. It, it was honestly like it was, it was it was like it was like it was pretty scary to, to think about because I play with people who can't do that. I can't kick the ball as well <laughs> as they do, and they're thirteen well, year old. Well, that's not saying much. Kel, Josh, your thoughts? Yeah, I'll just on Violet Longmore, another incredible. Thing about her, she's actually from down south as well. Geograph um, region, right? Love yeah, it. Yeah, down in the southwest. So fantastic to see the number of regional players that are coming through the NTC program now. Something that's really impressive about the NTC now is the way the development's set up. So Football West has a, a SAP program for girls, and, and it looks like they're trying to introduce more of that for boys where they can get those crucial core skills into the players before they get to that stage where they're playing 11-a-side football. A lot of the players that are getting into the NTC program now have played in that or taken part in that girls' SAP program with Football West. So they've got uh, 
there's a coherent sort of line of coaching of technique and, and, and a playing style that goes up with the players from when they're 11, 12, all the way up to when they're 19 and they're graduating from the NTC program, hopefully into Perth glory. And you could absolutely tell that like in, in terms of not just the technique, but also the positional play as well. Because in that second half, when they were chasing the game, um, Sam Geddes, the coach, changed the structure from the usual 4-3-3 to a 3-5-2 um, and had the players moving in different directions. Even in the first half, they had a little tactical adjustment there to take... Sorry, start of the second half, they had a tactical adjustment there to take advantage of the, the left winger who had a really good game but was overloaded at times. And that was when the right fullback would come inside to the midfield and Brooking would go out wide and kind of take that place. And if you didn't track the movement, all of a sudden it was 2-1-1 with um, Britain and Brooking and you're just going, oh my goodness, like it's, it's an overload here. Um, and in a really cool way, we've also got an interview with the NTC coach, Sam Getty. So let's see if we can uh, tee that up right now. Kalichi Sunwa for the Perth Football Podcast. I'm joined with victorious NTC coach Sam Geddes. Sam, run out 5-2 winners there. Conceded the first couple of goals of the season. Looked like you made it hard for yourself at some points, but run out with the win. Tell us, how's that feel? It feels good. It feels good for the girls, especially, you know, like their ages between 13 and 15. I think when we said we'll step in for night series um, and they were like, wait, are we, are we playing against women? Um, you know, they get a bit, they got a bit nervous about it at first, but I think as the games have gone on, they've stepped up. Um, first half, we weren't so happy. At half-time, neither myself or the players were very happy about it. Um, but we addressed it, we changed some things up. We said, hey, we wanted to go and take the game to them. Um, we couldn't just sit back and just just play anymore. We had to go and actually change it up, change out how we wanted to win the game as well. So. Just watching them, there was four or five players there whose technique were unbelievable, really brave on the ball, really assertive, really front-footing. How how positive is, is it to see that even though they went down, they didn't kind of change the way that they were playing, they just kept sticking to the approach? Yeah, that's important for me. Um, that is the first goal we've conceded in the night series, so it was good from my point in terms of development to see how they react. Um, I don't think we conceded for the last couple of games. The last time we conceded was about six or seven weeks ago against Balcada in the friendly. Um, so it's good for me in terms of that, see how they react. Um, I'm very fortunate with this with this group, especially they're across the board. They're a very technical group, and also a lot of them have football brains. So I can ask them to do certain things that maybe other people who are older than them can't, wouldn't even do or would take more months to get, and they get it in a couple of weeks. So from my point, it's very easy to coach them because they're so good at what they do um, obviously they're young there's still time to develop we still have a lot of work to do with them but they're building they're building you mentioned the tactical approach there and you know noticing it from the stands there are a couple moments there where we had fullbacks coming into center midfield we had center midfielders going out wide and then you also switched it to, to 4-3-3 sorry switch it from a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2 into a 3-5-1 or 3-5-2 in that situation how good is it to have that flexibility from the from from the team and just from your mind as well like what goes to your head putting those decisions into play yeah so like i said it's 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 easier for me because they're such a good group and such a coachable group um at first asking a group that have predominantly played 4-3-3 to switch into a three two into a three five two um wasn't always the nicest i think you know we've, we've mixed it up a bit we've played three four three as well so just getting them used to it in the build up the last couple of games um but I, th I think it did. It did work tonight. It limit. It stopped what UWA were trying to do with the balls over the top and things like that. So it did ease us a little bit and let us actually play. Um, 
I'm, I'm just very fortunate. My group's very good, so I can ask them to do certain things. Well, now. there's some good coaching there as well. Look, thank you so much and congratulations on the win. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, they're just incredible to see young players with that sort of tactical awareness to adapt to those situations. I'm, I'm sure you guys can all agree. But obviously there were two teams playing and, and UWA really made a good account of themselves against a very talented young side. Tommy, any couple of players in particular? We do need to get on the Redbacks game because there's a lot to say there. Uh, but who impressed you in, in that side? Yeah, I think Emily Dinsdale with the two goals was really good, and it was um, and Sophia um, Kiastra as well was was the other player who was who was a player that I noticed in the midfield. She she did really well, particularly in the first ninety minutes of the game, I say. And then when Neve Healy came on for NTC, she started to get the ball a little bit more. And I uh, sorry, it was Jacqueline Kiastra. My apologies, but. Um, yeah, obviously, from their point of view, that's two years in a row. They've made a night series final. They've um, they've come on the wrong end of both games, having lost to Southwest Phoenix the year before. But look, they finished third in the state league division one last season. I'm sure they'll be trying to push that extra level up to maybe win the league this year. Well, we do need to move on. Mikko, you got one final point? Yeah, well, a quick shout out to um, Franka Dobbins and, and of course Alexandra Lyons. They were superb that game in terms of the work rate, in terms of just last-ditch tackles, in terms of um, being being real stalwarts and being real leaders for that team. And I kind of felt a little bit bad for them for the effort that they put in because they didn't necessarily deserve to, to come out there losers. But again, like 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 my favourite line from The Wire, deserves got nothing to do with it. Yeah, there's always a winner and a loser in cup finals, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what side you end up on. Fortunately for the narrative for women's football in Perth, it was the Northern Redbacks getting up. That is uh, no slight on their opponents on the night, but uh, Balcata Etna, of course, but it really was the perfect story, the perfect way to go out. There was none other than Captain Sean Billum firing in a thunderous long-range strike the day after uh, her nuptials. We owe her an apology, don't we? Well, th- this is on the uh, interview that we have uh, with her and the uh, Tracy Wheeler medalist, best on ground, Carla Bennett, who also scored uh, in extra time later on. But all in all, uh, if there's anyone that wants to say a few words about the Northern Redbacks, and uh, we'll, we'll hear uh, Sean's words and how much they mean to her, um, you've heard enough of this Sean's words. So anyone else want to put their hand up and say a few words about that club? Without wanting to stick on the Oscars theme too much, some scripts are kind of written a little bit, aren't they? And there was just something in the air about last night. Even when Balcata went 2-0 up, those two early goals that they scored, they did it in last year's final as well. They were 2-0 up inside 11 minutes. This year they were 2-0 up after Kimberly McCartney's cross looped in and then an unfortunate own goal, a bit of a miscommunication at the back. But then just the experienced players, they found a way. The, the names you mentioned before, Bennett, Billum. And I thought when Jacinta Coleman came on at halftime, she made a massive impact. She was just that additional body in the midfield. She got all around the pitch. I think from from the communication I'd had with a couple of people at Redback, she's sort of coming back through a little bit of injury in pre-season. But... But she really sort of helped them to dominate those those numbers in the midfield. And, and as a result, they just kept winning set piece after set piece. And eventually they were going to barge the down door, the, 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 the door down, and they did. But I thought it was Bill and particularly early on who tried to wrestle that mm. control back. Yeah, and the, you mentioned it, the, the goals. The first one, fortunate. It's one of those cross-come shots that the, the keeper is always at risk of misjudging because you're not expecting the ball to be heading directly in. Uh, and then that unfortunate back pass. And I think everyone in the stadium was, was saying, this would be a really unfortunate way for, for the Redbacks to go out uh, with, with two goals like that, especially an own goal back pass being the decider, which it looked like it was going to be late on when it was still 2-1. 
and they really, really show the character and the fight. And I was just so impressed and yeah, a bit overwhelmed. It was so nice to see uh, this club that has done so much for women's football in Western Australia. They've really, you know, their, their roots were getting fed up with, with not getting the same exposure, same opportunities that, that the males get. And yeah, they were just so fantastic last night when they came. Of course, they were the first female-only football club that was created because of that, as you said. And, and it was really cool seeing players who had over 200 appearances being oh. the ones who stand it out. In terms of the, the work that Larissa Walsh was putting in, just a remarkable performance there as well. And I don't think she has 200 appearances as well, but Renee Leota was... She had this amazing Diego Costa impersonation <laughs> there where she just won everything, took it short, brought it down on absolute nuisance. I'd like to pick her for a most yellow cards this season just because of the attitude as well. But just it, it really felt like a force of nature game where they just kept pushing the want it more button more than, the, than, uh, than Belcada. Boy, can she hit a ball as well. <laughs> just on Leota, I think, I think you picked up on a really good point there, Kalichi. We I spoke about the midfield battle before, but I think Leota really gave them that structure in the final third because I think beforehand they were just looking for the balls outright for, for Walsh and, that's, and that pace. Um, but she gave them that little bit of hold-up play, mm. that little bit of composure on the ball in the final third, and that was something which helped them to get up the pitch really quickly. So, um, yeah, really impressive performance from her, really impressive performances across the board, really. Um, Leota, Bennett, um, Emily Dunn um, and Larissa Walsh were the four 200-game players that were there with the club. Billums, I think she's played around about 170 off the top of my head, or she, she'd played 150 last season anyway, but... Um, yeah, and it's, a, and it's a testament to their culture at the club that those players have stayed around for as long as they have and have had such an impact on this new generation of, of Redbacks that are coming through the likes of Olivia Wood, who were also super impressive last night. Yeah, and the overall team performance, I mean, we were talking about who, who the best player was, who we thought our Tracy Wheeler medalist would be, and you could throw five or six names in there quite easily and, and none of them would be uh, wrong uh, mm. if there is such a thing with that with that sort of decision. But And when I was speaking to Tracy about it while she was making her decision and she was saying, oh, well, it could have been it, it could have been Sean and, uh, you know, it, it could have been Larissa. and But I think uh, Carla Bennett just edged it, which, which uh, she ended up... Yeah, yeah, getting the the Tracy Wheeler medal. Uh, I mentioned Jacinta Coleman. She came on and was an absolute workhorse. That just that classic combative midfielder. Um, and I caught up with Carla and Sean after the game, and yeah, get the tissues ready because this is this is what the game meant and how much the club means to those two ladies. Twenty two Tracy Wheeler medalists, Carla Bennett and. Captain of the Northern Redbacks for the last time, Sean Billum. You can barely stand at the moment, it looks like. First of all, before we get into anything about tonight, do you have a few words uh, about what this club means to you? Yeah, I mean, we're all here tonight to make sure that we got one more win on the board and the club's done so much for each and every single player that's come through. Um, such a wonderful legacy. It's sad to leave it behind, but we know the future will be bigger and brighter. Well, Carla, your performance was a big reason, or a big part of the reason that you ended with a bang. Obviously, pre-season finals aren't usually what you want to win, but does it make it a little bit more special tonight because it is the fact that it's the last game as the Redbacks? Yeah, I think most of the time when we go into these night series tournaments, we use it as a stepping stool and, and to gauge where we'll be throughout the season and use it as pre-season. But we knew that it meant so much more this time round and we all wanted to win so much more than we've ever wanted to win. So, yeah, it means so much to us and it's extra special. 
Now, Sean, you, you probably haven't heard it, but uh, I owe you an apology. Uh, so does Kalichi. This uh, will be aired on the Perth Football Podcast. Last week, we heard you weren't going to be here, and uh, uh, tongue in cheek, we said you were very selfish to uh, to leave the girls in the in the dirt like that. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I guess that that's not a question. There's nothing you can say to that. But yeah, that, that obviously shows, doesn't it, how much this this meant. It, were, were you ever going to miss it? Uh, we had a conversation about it, Dan and I, and we knew that it was always going to be on the cards. And he knew I wanted to be here and supported me. And it's extra special tonight because my family are back together for the first time in a long time. Okay, I got to stop before I start tearing up. <laughs> Girls, thank you so much. Go and celebrate. What a night. Well, what a night indeed. Uh, as we said in the first game, there are obviously two teams as well. Uh, Tracy, when I was mentioning before, talking about the her pick for the uh, Tracy Wheeler medal, I think Gabby Del Busco was the front runner uh, for quite a lot of that second half. Made about four, five, six tremendous saves, and and you really thought this was going to be Gabby's night. I said to her afterwards, uh, "It's not fair on you, Gabby. You don't deserve to be on the losing side of this one." Um, but again. Tommy, uh, I, I don't intentionally mean to keep throwing it to you to talk about the losers. I don't think that you know anything about losing more than any of the rest of us. But here we are. Tell us a bit about Balcata Etna. And they put in a stunning performance as well. Two finals went to extra time. Sensational football. Great advertisement. All four teams, a really great advertisement for women's football in, in WA. But, yeah, talk a bit about Balcata because they were superb as well. Yeah, it was a late night with both games, obviously going to extra time, but it was worth it to see the scenes at the end of both games, obviously seeing what it meant for both um, sets of players to win. Um, in terms of Balcada, they've they've recruited really well this offseason. They've signed Georgia Corley, who was pretty good early, I thought, Lauren Consinibali, both from the Redbacks. Um, Monique Prinsley joined from the NTC. I think she's going to be a real live wire this season. I thought she started the game really well, and then I think they just, for whatever reason, they just couldn't quite utilise her on the counter-attack as well as they did in that early sort of part of the game. And I'm not sure whether it was because Kim McCartney came out of the game. She, We're used to seeing her play in defence, Sean, for, for, for Balcata. Mm. She looks to be playing a little bit higher up the pitch. And she was sort of that player that they were looking to use as a bit of a hub in that midfield or that number 10 role at the start of the game anyway, playing along sort of with Tana Campos. And, and maybe just losing that bit of structure when she went off injured didn't allow them to get Campos or Prinsloo into the game as much as they would have liked. And as it, as it turned out, the Redbacks just gained that control that we spoke about before. But look, they've recruited really well this season. They're an interesting team. Um, the Redbacks are a good team and we'll come on to our predictions later on. But I think as Balcata learn, they've recruited a lot of new players and they can, they can only improve as the season wears on. Yeah, well, look, it's it's been a long uh, part one, obviously. Sorry, Josh jumped all over you there. We're, we're getting our hand signals mixed up, but we'll, we'll sort it out. We're getting better. It's only episode three. It has been a long part one, but a deserved long part one because that absolute bumper Sunday day of footy, I couldn't couldn't talk enough about it. I could stay for another hour and talk about uh, that, that final. Uh, final word from you, Josh and Kel, before we move on to the NPL seasons proper for the women's and men's. Thanks, Sean. Uh, appreciate being given the opportunity to uh, to join in on the podcast yet again. Uh, Put your hand up any time, mate. Come on, show a bit of confidence. They're nice and high right now. So um, something you mentioned, Tommy, was really interesting. Uh, you spoke about Monique Prinsloo uh, hopping over from NTC over to Balcatta. And that might be uh, one of the things that potentially changes up the, the order of things in the women's game a little bit in Western Australia. It's been a bit of a two-horse race for a while now between um, 
it was uh, Queens Park and Redbacks before. It's now Mum and uh, and Redbacks. And uh, I think when you start to get some of those NTC players who are graduating from that program coming to some of the clubs, if they make different decisions about where they go and where they go play, then you might start to see some of those clubs that are in that mid-tier become a bit more competitive over time. Kel? And just last word from me. I know that we mentioned it earlier, but um, Shawnee Billum played the day after her wedding. That is a remarkable commitment and dedication to the team. And if you watch that game, you will see that she was this absolute calm amongst the storm. And, and whenever there was chaos, she was the person who was this kind of lighthouse where she'd bring the ball down, play a quick pass, or she'd go in and clatter someone, win the ball back, play it again. Didn't, knew when it needed to be one touch or two touch. And I'm just delighted for her to have had just an amazing weekend where you get married, your entire family's there, and you top it off by winning the last ever trophy for, for the Redbacks for a club that you love as well congratulations to her once again well, well done Redbacks yeah well, well done Sean I still think it means you, you you didn't do your wedding day right if you're up playing football the next day but it, it shows where your priorities are and for the Perth Football Podcast we love that they're with football because that's what we love as well uh, we will be back with part two we're going to go into the NPL women's season is about to kick off obviously night series just finished and there was a great weekend of NPL uh, round two men's action as well we'll be back in a bit and we're back, part two, Perth Football Podcast, episode three. It's time to dive in to the NPL seasons proper. Before we get into what was some incredible action, the Sterling Lions really throwing a marker down along with Perth Red Star, we're going to go to our NPL women's predictions. We've just come off the back of the night series. So before we turn our attention to round two of the men's, let's get our predictions, guys. If you don't remember... There's no relegation in this one, so we won't have a relegated team. But we want the winning team. We want uh, the top scorer. We want the naughtiest girl, the naughtiest team. And then instead of relegation, we're going to go for the uh, gold medal winner, obviously. Tia Stonehill, not eligible for that one, which is a real shame. As we mentioned last week, always one of the best players to watch. So, guys, uh, who wants to go first? Put your hands up. Josh, go. You haven't had enough airtime. Take it away. Um, I think... I think Northern Redbacks are going to be really hard to beat. I mean, they didn't even have um, Kim Carroll and, and Sarah Carroll playing throughout the night series. And, uh, yeah, they were, I think, by the end, sort of came out clearly as, as the, the top team in that competition. They'll definitely be favourites going to the season. So I think it's really hard to go past them. They got so close last year as well to their first uh, NPL women's title as well. So um, I think the former Northern Redbacks now... Perth Red Star are looking pretty good for it. I think Larissa Walsh probably be looking pretty good for Golden Boot and Best Player as well. It's pretty common that uh, the doubling up is yeah. also That's doubling up. Out, but we'll allow it. Oh, all right. Well, tell well, me who's, who's your who's your naughtiest girl and naughtiest team then? Uh, naughtiest girl. I, I did hear this one before. Uh, Kat Yukich, if she does end up playing, um, I think she's definitely a good bet for for naughtiest team uh, for naughtiest girl. Sorry, naughtiest team. I, I don't know who it's going to be. I really want it to be the Hyundai NTC because I just think <laughs> no be, you want them to be. Taught, you want no them to be chance. taught the dark arts early on, is what you're saying? Yeah, look, I, I, I just you know I just want to have this team of you know, fifteen, sixteen year old warrior girls who are just uh, just breaking legs and, and taking names and um, you know. Playing, 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 playing like Wimbledon from the from See, the. See that look off your face, girl. He's allowed to have whatever opinion he wants. See, what sometimes violence is the answer. <laughs> Let's not get back into the Will Smith stuff, Kel. Uh, your Kalichi, sorry, your predictions. Uh, I 
I was thinking about giving um, Kat Yukic a triple crown in terms of naughtiest girl, top goal scorer, and gold medal. But I think if you get sent off, you That's can't win. Trick, isn't it? You can't win the gold medal if you get sent off, right? Oh, I yeah. It, it, hap- it, it happened. Is that it right? Happened, it happened a year with Dean Evans. He couldn't win it because he got sent off. So, Correct. I ah. I think I think what will happen is Kat Yukic will get top goal scorer. We'll get naughtiest girl. Won't get the golden boot because she was too naughty. Because she was too naughty. Yep. And and I think just to cap off here, I think Sean Billum gets uh, the gold medal. I think the Perth Red Star, the Commies, win the the league. And I think naughtiest team. I'm going to go for Mummy FC. Shout okay. out to Tomo. Tommy. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit of recency bias, isn't it? But the Redbacks, were, oh, sorry, Perth Red Star were just so impressive. We're going to make that mistake a lot this season, aren't we? Um, <laughs> they were just so impressive. The way they fought to come back. Um, those additions, which Josh touched on as well, Kim and Sarah Carroll, a, a good chance from what I've heard in conversations that that, that they may join up with the team. Um, yeah, they're going to be a formidable force again. I think um, from a goal scoring point of view, I, I, I'm. Interested to see the role which Michaela Lyons plays this season. I think she, I'm not sure where she's going to play exactly. She's led the line a little bit for Fremantle in previous seasons. And obviously there's the caveat that if, if um, whispers that we've heard that Kat Jukic may be coming back and she may go to Fremantle City, then that might change the dynamic. But I'll go with Michaela Lyons for now because she has shown that she is capable of scoring goals in the past. Um, Team-wise, I've kind of gone with the Gwell-Up logic that I had in the men's in that I think Curtin are a team that are going to be doing a lot of defending this season. They're going to be a lot a lot of young legs, a lot of energy, and they're going to be sort of snapping into the tackles with their enthusiasm. So they'll be my team. Um, and I actually don't have a player. And that's a really weird thing to say um, because... I just don't seem to recall as many yellow cards being dished out. but because there aren't as many. (laughs) Exactly right. But um, I'll I'll have a think about that and I'll come back to you. Nobody off the top of my head stands out for the moment. Okay, well, I'll give you mine. I'm going to go with Fremantle City uh, as champions. I am, I'm not going to take too much time. Let's get on with the podcast. I'll say Monique Prinsloo, a wonderful player every time I've seen her play. I'm going to go with her for... uh, Golden Boot winner. I think she's going to a big year for her. I'm going to say Sean Billum, uh, best player. Naughtiest girl, I think Jacinta Coleman mentioned earlier, really combative midfielder, <laughs> probably the best tackling uh, midfielder in the league, I think. And I think she might miss time a few. So I'm going to, well, I hope she missed times a few. Not f- for her opponent's sake, but just for my predictions. Uh, and Naughtiest team, similar logic to yours with the Gwell Up, which is looking very good early on, uh, Tommy. Although you only want to take it one week at a time. You're not getting too carried away. Uh, like Kel with his Daryl Nichols shout, but I will <laughs> I will say Subiaco because uh, I think they've got a lot to prove. I think they've got a lot of players that will uh, want to yeah get themselves up off the bottom of the league. And sometimes the best way to get yourself up off the bottom of the league is to start kicking lumps out of people. So that's my shout. Can I, can I just say how lucky Tommy is that there's no relegation in the MPL women's I know. It's his, perfect, was, it's his perfect <laughs> league, isn't it? He was terrified he was going to have to make a call on that, and then he came He talks he about went, how much yes. he loves the league, but it's really just because he doesn't have to choose who's going down, isn't it? Positive vibes only, man. Positive vibes. <laughs> well, we're going to move on to the men's MPL, but before we do that, the fixtures uh, in the women's, and Tommy, I'll let you have your final word in a sec. Uh, we've got the Mum FC uh, hosting Subiaco on Friday night. That's going to be a great curtain raiser to the season. Perth Balcata. Uh, at Dorian Gardens on Saturday, part of the uh, double header. That one will be 5 p.m. Red Star taking on the NTC, first game under the new banner, and Freer and Curtin on the Sunday. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, interesting one to start the season, I suppose. On the Friday night, obviously, you guys had uh, Luke in the studio, um, so he'll be taking charge of his first league game on the um, on the Friday night against the Subiaco team. We've also appointed a new co- head coach uh, earlier this week in Greg Farrell. So yeah, I'll be going up there on Friday night, and I'll be looking forward to checking that one out. Yeah, well, Kalichi's just pointed out to me before we move on to the men's, we do need to make mention of the refereeing team on that uh, women's MPL Night Series final. The first all-female officiating team, Kaylee Omerod in the middle, along with Libby Colwell and Chloe Smith. Smith, is it the last? Yes, that's right. Uh, they were all, I thought, superb. Uh, run the game really well. There was one little thing, actually, that, that just brings to mind in the earlier game. I don't want to talk too much about the decision itself, but the concept of the even Arapara, and where you guys stand on this one. Now, there was a decision that was made. Uh, I think we all agree it was defender going back to play the ball forward, bit of a tangle of legs where the defender was in the front position. Clumsy tackle, apparently. Defender goes down uh, and forward stays on their feet. Probably should have been a free kick for the defender. Wasn't given. Forward rounds the goalkeeper, takes her down. Clear red card outside the box, we all thought, I think. <laughs> now, within the football gods' eyes, justice was done. No player should have been sent off because really there should have been the free kick given. I wish Alex Zamatis was here in because I'd love, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to grill him on whether or not he's ever done this before. Maybe next time. What What are you guys' thoughts on that? You You don't want to see the red card there, do you? Because you feel like that it, it just wouldn't have felt right, would it? Oh, yes and no. It's tough though with the the, the laws of the game, though, isn't it? And and that's. And that's probably why we almost need Alex's uh, esteemed opinion to, to sort of clear up a couple of those We never things. need Alex's but, <laughs> esteemed opinion. But, but in terms of, of I think the, the, the main one that me and Kalichi were particularly confused about was, was, was the secondary one because the, the foul was made outside of the box. And, um, and, and I always thought that the foul outside the box was a red card if it was the last defender and it was only a yellow card if it was in the penalty box to stop that double double jeopardy if there's a play on the ball so I think the wording's important there though because it's and this is where people get it wrong a lot it 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 doesn't matter whether there's a defender uh, or where the defenders are whether it's the last defender it's it's if it's a clear goal scoring opportunity the fact that she'd taken it around the keeper and then got taken down and if the keeper doesn't touch her, she she runs onto that and rolls it into an empty net. So that, to me, is a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Jamie Harmel spoke to me on the day, and he said because she was taking it away from goal, sometimes referees, and that's true. I You'll probably remember this one. There was a Luis Suarez against Arsenal many years back where he's gone around the keeper, and their explanation was, oh, he was going away from goal, so so it's not a red card. That's just wrong. That's just not in the laws, Alex Novatis. I said laws of the game. Josh? Yeah, so I think the terminology they use is denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. So they abbreviate, when you do the course, so I've done the course, so when you do the course, they, abbre- they abbreviate it to dogzo. Um, so it's kind of a bit of a pub test, though. So if most of the people in the stadium thought it was an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, then probably it was. Maybe the referee had a very, very different angle to what everybody else did. Um, maybe that ball was... Traveling away. Nah, man, that was just a straight up even upper. <laughs> that was, I have made a mistake and I cannot like compound my mistake by sending off the other person. That be like, when you think about double jeopardy, that becomes almost triple jeopardy, right? Because I've screwed up in the first place. <laughs> the keeper has just clattered into the defender, into the attacker, and it's now through on goal. And I'm going to now book the person and send them off. Come on. Well, we, we need to move on. Sorry, Tommy. I'm sure you've got something very important to say, but we do need to get into this NPL men's action. Uh, 
because we are running out of time and, and the people have got busy lives and they've got other podcasts to listen to. If they don't want to listen to this one back again, which you're welcome to. Uh, but let's jump into the NPL. Sterling Perth was our prime time fixture. It was the twilight game, Macedonia Park. Tommy, you've done plenty of games with me uh, up there, cup finals. It's a really great venue for football, isn't it? With with the with the tin roof and the... Lovely the, sunset. The, the, it, well, if you could see the sun, yeah, uh, on, on Saturday, it was a bit of a... Bit of a gloomy one, but football was far from gloomy. Uh, anyone have any thoughts on this game? I'll, I'll obviously give mine in a sec. I had the call. I, I thought it was the, the best game of NPL this season so far. Well, uh, aside from the obvious point is that it was good for Macedonia Park to host NPL football again. First time in, in three seasons after a two-year exile in, in Division 1 and obviously coming off the back of um, that promotion campaign. And um, just, I suppose, generally, I suppose you're better qualified to talk about the game as you called it, Sean, but... Um, I, I did speak to, to somebody at the Armadale-Sterling game last week um, when they did win 2-1 for their first. So they were obviously two from two now to start the season. And, and they were sort of commenting about how obviously Sterling were in that winning habit last season. And obviously when you add Calvin Whitney and Michael Domfe, who are also used to winning in particular yeah, NPL players, level. Aren't they? And that's a very hard habit to break. And, and those players have clearly carried it on. But, but how did you see the game, Sean, commentating it? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I thought, mentioned this to you, Yesterday, Kalichi, the, the stylistically, the way that Calvin Whitney and Sean Billum play for the Redbacks is very, very similar. Just when things start to get a little bit chaotic, Cal's the one who takes a tough ball down. Roulettes past two players. Three roulettes in a game? It's stupid, Cal. Stop it. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll just keep possession when there's a bit of chaos going around, when there's bodies flying in, and he did that superbly. Uh the, the one player that I think we really need to mention who, who I spoke to after the game was a young uh, boy by the name of Kai Matthews who came in at left back. Uh, I've seen him play and called a couple of his cup finals when he was at Sorrento. He's been at Sorrento his whole uh, junior career, basically, and basically got thrown to the wolves. He wasn't expecting to be starting, wasn't expecting to be playing. Uh, said he was hoping to get a few minutes at the end, maybe. And, yeah, he gets to start at left back. I think there may have been an injury, as Dad was saying. I'm not 100% sure on that. But well, he was absolutely fantastic. That just did not look out of place at all. Uh, terrific player. And then we, we see a lot of goals and a lot of terrible defending in the NPL, if we're honest, <laughs> at times. But this was a case of some very, very good defending with Kai alongside uh, Yankolowski and uh, Palmatier. That, that Sterling back four who looked shaky, we said, against Armadale the, the week before, Tommy. They looked really, really composed. Didn't concede a lot of good chances. And then Sam Wynn stepped up late with his uh, second goal of the season uh, after scoring the opener last week and absolutely tore the roof off Macedonia Park. It was it was a great moment. Yeah, great great for them to, to come back and make such an impact. I think a lot of people... Um, pre-season were very buoyant on on Sterling with the makeup of their squad that they'd carried over from Division One, and obviously with those two quality additions as well. It's 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 easy to sort of buy into the hype a little bit, isn't it? It'll be very interesting to see how they fare when they come up against a team, perhaps like a Floria or like a Bayswater, who who we've tipped uh, on this podcast to do well this season. That'll be a bit more of an acid test for them. But obviously last season's champions in Perth, even though they are new look, that's still a good scout for them and they'll take pl plenty of confidence from that going forward. Well, score finished 1-0. Uh, First clean sheet for Sterling. First clean sheet for James Bosdett. And he joined me with uh, the youngster we've already mentioned, Kai Matthews, after the game. And here's what they had to say. Well, I'm here with Kai Matthews and James Bosdett. The 
left back and goalkeeper respectively of the winning side tonight. Uh, before I throw to you, Kai, I'll let James say a few words about this kid that's just stepped in. Bit of a baptism of fire at this level and he's performed superbly, hasn't he? Yeah, to be fair, I thought he's probably man of the match today. He's been brilliant. Um, I spoke to him before the game, he was a bit nervous, but looking at him today, it's like he's been playing with us yeah, for a while. Really, really impressed, solid. Um, and I'm sure he'll be with us for, for quite a while, to be honest. Well, Kai, you didn't show the nerves if you were feeling them, but once the whistle blew and you were out there, how much do you enjoy that, especially that first half? First half, you were superb. Yeah, no, it was brilliant, especially that last minute winner, uh, you know, going on top of all the boys, you know, celebrating, and even in the changing room as well all the masses there it's brilliant so you, you weren't expecting a start today i was hearing your dad was saying you only got the call up just before the game does that add to the nerves a little bit oh yeah of course like you know i just thought i was going to sit on the bench maybe hopefully get 10 minutes and then just play a full 90 as well not even just start and come off but play the full 90 as well it's brilliant yeah and james i only got the goal so late i was i was saying to you earlier in the week i was hoping to see a bit more of your time wasting talents <laughs> i only got to see a few minutes of them um but How's this? How's you settling into this side? The, obviously, the, the the cry from everyone that I talked to is, you guys aren't here to make up the numbers. You don't want to. I know you don't want to say we're going for the title after two wins on the bounce, but. Yeah, you guys really are here to at least make some shot waves around the NPL, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Look, the gaffer says every week we're, look, we're not in to make numbers up. We'll take each game at, each, each game as it comes. Um, two great results, two wins. Look, the boys are strong. I mean, all over, straight through the spine. We've got, we've got cover everywhere, as I said. Kai stepped in today. Um, I, I, yeah, look, I'm not going to say it's too early, but we're, we're, looking, we're looking towards the top, which is good. So we'll, we'll, we'll be up there. We'll be up there. Well, you're right up the top as it stands, Kai James. I'll let you go and celebrate. Congratulations. Cheers, well, great result for Sterling and, and really nice to hear uh, James speak so highly of of the young man coming in, a, a player with, with MPL experience and, and a kid with absolutely none. And uh, yeah, obviously there were nerves, but he, he didn't show them, Kalichi. Mate, you, you um, talked about it last week and obviously Michael Domfe mentioned it as well in terms of just getting better defensively to, to keep a clean sheet against Perth. Again, they lost to them in the night series in a semi-final. Did you notice that they did anything different? Any any Anything in, in particular to kind of keep that clean sheet? I know there were a couple of half chances for um, Shrub McCullough. In fact, he whispered one just over the bar there as well. But aside from that, it kind of looked like, and I was watching this at home, so I had your dulcet tones all over the place. Um, it, it kind of looked like Sterling had lion's share of the ball, but also they didn't really feel Very good. threatened de defensively as well. Lion's share. Did you do that on purpose? We haven't mentioned any Macedonia jokes as well about Italy. So yeah, we'll we won't talk about Italy, uh, Neil, North Macedonia one. Uh, again, I mentioned that at the opening of the game, and I'm sure all the, the Perth Italia fans are, are sick of these 1-0 uh, late goal <laughs> score lines. But in terms of Sterling defensively, it was, it was honestly like watching a different team. It was night and day. There were times against Armadale where they were just, it looked like they were just happy to go one-on-one, -on -one, and I don't know whether that was perhaps, I mean, I know they weren't taking Armadale lightly. What, what I think is it was probably a big focus. Um, and, and Ferguson, obviously, it, he's spoken of very highly. People, well, I mean, I've, he's never coached me, so I don't know, but he seems to be talked about as, as a really good coach that obviously very aware and would have seen all those problems that we saw last week and seemed to make great strides to address them. Josh, you were just mentioning then that, that Kai Matthews' pace is, is probably a big part of it as well. Uh, that, that I think, was maybe an element, but I think just overall as a unit, they were much better um, set up and, and just everyone was more aware. Spiseski was good as, as, as the six uh, without having to do too much, without having to touch the ball, which is what, what a good number six does a lot of the time. And, and as we said, Calvin Whitney as well, 
not just his uh, being able to bring the ball down and calm it down. But, geez, late in that game, he made a few big tackles as well. He was tracking back, really working hard. And, and that's I think that really sets the tone when your most creative player, mm. and I know you said, Kalichi, sometimes you don't want them doing all that that hard work, but I think there are times when you it's, need it, and he, and he really did it. I, he was superb. It's not that you don't want him doing all that hard work. My, my, my big thing is there are so many times when he's got the ball and he's 60 yards away from goal and he's the one playing that pass into a dangerous area. And I think he should be the person who's receiving that pass in that dangerous area because he could make that turning point. So in terms of him doing the defensive work, that's superb. And I think the only difference there is at Perth, he had McDonald and he had Santich who could play him these passes where he would be 30 yards out or 40 yards out. And it's a quick turn and it's a play into Domfei. And I feel he'd be much set better getting the ball up in those areas where it's half turn, half space, Domfei's on my left, Domfei's on my right. Or... um. What's the homie who plays left wing? Tenevsky. Tenevsky. Oh, Tenevsky. Oh, yeah, you Tenevsky. asked about him last week, Josh, oh. and I, I paid extra attention to him uh, this time. And what a He's, player he is. Yeah, he and, brings and balls down like that, nobody that's, else. That's where I feel he could get the ball a lot more. Um, and, and that's where I'm like, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, I would, I would be frustrated if I was coaching being like, why are you receiving the ball behind your number six when you should be behind the number nine? Um, but yeah, get in front and, and tackling, that's that's all part of his game. And, and like you said, it's it's something else when you see your tricky number 10 coming in and doing the slide tackles. It's, it's got to be a, a just a boost for the team as well. Yeah, other scores around the grounds. Josh, you watched the Inglewood game and you weren't impressed. Oh, Inglewood, probably for the first... Give us the score really, first. 2-1 uh, two, two, win to Perth Glory. Uh, and Perth Glory were up 2-0 within about 30 minutes. Kieran Bramwell with both the goals sort of just snuck in behind a, a pretty flat back three. So they played a 3-5-2, which I don't think was what they did last week against Balcata. So uh, maybe anticipating a stiffer challenge from Perth maybe, maybe injuries as well. Possibly injuries, yeah. So there, there were a couple changes from the lineup um, from the week before. Uh, they just really found it... They just found it really, really hard to play the ball out. Really, really hard. So most of their chances towards the end of the game, they came from counterattacks. Um, Bathbusha got in behind a couple times, didn't really make the most of it. Uh, the one real shining light for Inglewood, obviously, second game back at the club after a few years away, Harry Evans was oh, yeah. absolutely sensational. He uh, hit the crossbar with a free kick. He put one just over the bar, and then he had a, an overhead kick that he just couldn't make connection on right at the end. I think Perth Glory would have been really, really disappointed if they'd uh, if they'd let that one slip, they really had control of the game for most of it. Um, standout performer probably Aiden Edwards in the number ten role, really really sensational player, just jaunty, can go both ways with the ball. Um, really really hard to mark. He can probably take on three or four players in succession, and he won't get touched, and, and then he'll get the foul because they get frustrated and they kick him. It's great, great to hear Harry Harry Evans, Harry Evans uh, having a good game. My my. Best memory of Harry was scoring a penalty for uh, Junlup up at uh, against Perth that that ended Perth's uh, title challenge in that that weird COVID split season. And uh, the, I just the reason I just remember it is because he's he's come off the bench maybe a minute before someone's won a penalty and he's just gone straight for the ball and picked it up and put it down the spot. It's like, <laughs> this is my first touch of the ball. I'm taking this. That's and confidence. He, That's yeah, what exactly. Want. And he buried it. Uh, other games, uh, what did you guys watch? Anything that caught your eye? Um, I suppose the probably the other impressive result out of the weekend was Perth Red Stars come from behind win over Bayswater. Yeah, don't talk about my tip, Flory, at uh, um, 5-0. That's not impressive for you? Well, you can come on to that afterwards. Okay. But, uh, yeah, they, they came from behind twice in that game, uh, Perth Red Stars. So, uh, Kel's obviously 
um, a big fan of Daryl Nickel as he's sort of highlighted in his predictions. He's Top of the league. He's hit the ground running this season. Three goals in his first two Pens games. shouldn't count. And he's just, he, he's just such a formidable attacking option. I think it's easy to forget that he's a two-time gold gold medal winner at this level. He's won, but won with both Bayswater and mm. um, with ECU previously. Um, so he's done it for, for more than one club. But um, yeah, that, that was just an, an impressive sign for them. They had a slightly different game the week before where Guelop sat in a little bit more and and obviously ECU were a little bit more on the front foot, probably had more chances in the game. And they sort of came away with a 2-1 win, something to build on, bank the three points early. But then to sort of show the resolve to, to come back after goals from Ryan Pearson um, and, and then also a header from John Steins in the second half. Mm. Nickel obviously led the charge there. Good to see Ryan Lowry back in the team for, for Red Star as well. And, and yeah, Kenny Lowe, we've said it before, really good coach. And I'm sure that he's going to, after missing the top four last season in particular, I'm sure he's going to have a point to prove with this team going forward. Yep, and did just mention there, Floriot's 5 0. So, my pick for the Golden Boot, uh, Robbie Petkov. Every time they scored a goal, I'm, I'm on the. The, the group chat. On, the, on the on the group chat and on the on the flash score trying to trying to get the uh, scores up and see who scored and or going on MPL TV and yeah, trying to see who it was unfortunately he only got one of them but uh, it looks like a very a crushing win obviously we're all a little bit worried about Belcatta um, you mentioned you were worried about them last week Kalichi not looking too good for them now didn't watch that game so so I won't say too much about it uh, obviously the the other game Sorrento a thumping win over Armadale is is there a bit of an implosion uh, set to happen there Kel Kalichi that's not a it's not a good result for them is it no it's not the best result for them but they're mitigating circumstances I ended up speaking to the um the Armadale staff after the game and they mentioned the fact that they're missing three players and two center halves a creative midfielder and a fourth player who was who was playing center midfield as well so you, you're missing your spine in a key game and Sorrento in a really good form now and and I say that it's their first game of the season but I was there for their prize game at the end of last year um, spoke to quite a few of their players just to get an idea of the team and how things are looking and you could tell just from the camaraderie that they had the culture that they created there that they were really really keen to play football with each other and I think Morgan's come in and he's done such a good job keeping the same players from last year and only making a couple additions as well and um, speaking of Scott Whiskey uh, last season and and and, and, and uh, the weekend as well, you get a real good sense that they feel like they're in a really good place and ready to push on. Um, I think the saving grace for Armadale um, was a performance of a youngster, um, Abdullahi Osman. He was, I think he was thrusted in there. He was the only real centre midfielder in, in that team when they were missing quite a few. And he just had the composure of, of a seasoned veteran in terms of getting the ball down, calming the chaos, um, and playing passes as well. The same as, as Jacob Peters. But the, the, the main story that we have from that game is the performance from, uh, from Scott Whiskey, who we have uh, teed up here as well. For the Perth Football Podcast, I'm here with Scott Whiskey. Scott, we spoke at the end of last season. You talked to me about how good the club was feeling. You've come out here and won 5 0. Tell us, how's it feeling right now, mate? Is it a continuation from last year? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Trev's done a really good job to uh, keep a lot of the guys the same that we had last year, but bring in certain individuals. I know we didn't go out there and just hit him, bring in a bunch of guys. You know, as a new coach, it's easy to do. Um, he had faith in us and brought in the right guys, um, which with our feel and stuff like that is, and the way that we play, you know, we work really hard. You can't just bring in anyone. We, you you got to have the right guys who want to, who want to buy into what we're, what we're trying to do. And, and uh, yeah, it's a really good vibe. Obviously, they kept the same guys here with Delboy and Allen and Kerry and guys like that. It's, it is a really good place to be. Oh man, and, and you scored two goals today. One was an absolute screamer of a strike. Playing with a lot of confidence, man. How's that feel as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, had a pretty good preseason. Um, 
had a decent night series. Literally interrupted our COVID last week or oh, two weeks ago, which sucked. But um, not me back a little bit. But you know, we had a game on Thursday night, and I was pretty unselfish and I got, got a bit of flack for it. So, so today, I thought, you know, come out here and if it's there, have a have a crack. Probably had a close one for the hat trick at the end. But um, yeah, no, no it, it, I'm confident. It's a shame we missed out last week against Coburn. Um, so we're a game behind. All the boys are pretty eager to get into games that mattered. So um, yeah, good to get underway and good to get a win to start with. And the last one, mate. You did mention the hat trick there. He did sub you off, and you did score a fifth goal. So is that is that extra motivation and fuel for the fire, or are you, are yeah, you going to go in there and tell Trevor what, what for? Yeah, absolutely. No, he told me before he saw me, so he got two minutes. I said, oh, lucky I'm a team player, otherwise I'll be upset I'm on a brace here. But no, nah, at the end of the day, it's a team sport, and um, I was running out a bit, bit of legs. Like I said, I had COVID two weeks ago, so my preseason, as much as I got ahead, I had a little bit of a setback. So, um, you know, the game's comfortable at that point. I'm, I'm not here for personal gain. It's, it's a team sport, so I set myself up for next week. So, yeah, it, it is what it is. Whiskey, appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Well, good to hear from Scott there. That's about all the time we've got for part two. It's going to be a very, very abbreviated part three because we've already run over our allotted time. Thankfully, there wasn't a lot of uh, world football action. Italy nil, North Macedonia won, of course, accepting. Uh, but we will be back with part three, a bit of a mailbag, some feedback, and uh, our favourite naughtiest boy and naughtiest team update. We'll be back in a minute. And before we get into part three, a couple of quick offers from our wonderful sponsors down here at the Mind Body Lounge. Hush Connective Studios uh, are located there. They're going to offer you a free cryotherapy treatment. I've done one of those myself. It's bloody freezing, but you come out a completely changed person. You might uh, come out in the best shape of your life. <laughs> so uh, all you have to do, share the Perth Football Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram. We'll pick a random winner. You can choose a free cryotherapy treatment or a free initial consult down at Physio for All, uh, leading physiotherapist in Perth for your animal, your pet, your dog, or yourself. Kalichi, uh, Maddie down there at Physio for All in Oakford is your physiotherapist, isn't she? How are you going with your recovery? We've been doing great. We've got uh, onto the uh, treadmill the other day. So we've been hurt, uh, well, I've been hurt since January. Um, but consultation's been superb. The checkups have been great. She's even given me some equipment to take home as well. So, yeah, catch on Physio for All if you can. All right, so get on the Physio for All page. Get on the uh, Mind Body Lounge pages as well. But all you need to do to, to win one of those prizes is share Perth Football Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Welcome back to part three, an abbreviated part three. We had so much content there that for the with the Women's Night Series finals and the uh, excellent round two of the men's NPL competition as well. So we're going to have a little new segment now. We're three episodes in, so we've started to get a bit of feedback, which we'd love to hear from you. It we got mail. We do have a bit of mail. Uh, we don't have a jingle yet, but uh, leave it with me. I'll get the guitar out. Gareth, get the guitar. Get the guitar. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get on to the, to the jingle for that. But uh, this week, uh, we're just going to go through and read them out. If you do have any feedback, we want to hear it. Negative, positive. We want what you want, or we want to hear what you want. If we don't want to do it, we're not going to do it anyway. Kaliji? Feedback is a gift. So please, send that our way. Please, and, and a few gifts that we received. This one from NPL Fan, uh, podcast review. Five stars, but less about Sean's Tinder experiences and more about Kalichi's, please. So, Kalichi? Pass. We don't have time. We don't have time. It's been too long already, we mentioned. Uh, fun and informative. Uh, an enjoyable pod, which is informative and entertaining. We'll let you guys decide who's the informative ones and who are the entertaining ones. Uh, I think we all know. Uh, and this one. Uh, this is my favourite one of the week. This is from first name Notta. I don't know whether that's Greek or, um, but last name Forward. Not, um, I get it. Okay, Notta Forward. Uh, four stars, which still is pretty good. I'm, I'm happy with with four. Commend the producers for wanting to promote the local NPL. It absolutely deserves more exposure and support. I know it's your first cast, but it's a little disappointing to hear. And 
Kalichi, this is where you have really let us down, I think, because you what have grew I done up. Now? Well, who who was your your manager that you grew up idolising, and who was the footballer you grew up idolising? Rafa Benitez is one nil is plenty football, uh, and uh, I had a jersey that said Caradonna because Jamie Carragher and Jamie Carragher. So, as a Rafael Benitez fan and a Jamie Carragher fan growing up, this is going to hurt you. Uh, Disappointed to hear the same old bias towards forwards and attacking midfielders over defensive players. It's a team <laughs> game, Kalichi, remember. And flair players only get a chance to shine because of the discipline of others. This is true. Uh, speculating on this season's golden boot winner and bad boy. It's naughty boy, not a, get it, get it right. Uh, is a pretty blinkered interpretation of the game. And let's face it, forwards have enough smoke blown up their backsides already. I think we can all agree on that one, uh, to be fair. So, you know, we're not, we're not going to agree on everything. Uh, all the same, a great effort and keep up the good work. Uh, so seriously, genuinely, thank you so much for the feedback. We, we want all of that. Um, and if you could keep doing it in the, uh, classic SHIT sandwich format, which is great. <laughs> you've got a positive... Uh, criticism and yep. a positive at the end, Absolutely. which we love that. So please send it that way Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. It makes us feel good. Thank you uh, so much, Nodder. Uh, we are going to uh, dive into, uh, and I'm sorry, I know it sounds like you're not going to like this segment. You've uh, got mail. We already, we already had mail. That's, we that, already had mail. Yeah, we did the mail, Robbie. Producer Robbie, can that's you, can you Robbie. Do the next key? Uh, can, we, can we sack him for next week? Sack him no, but, but before we go that, I just wanted to, to talk about some, some good old defensive football, and, and that's something that's close to my heart. So uh, the, the African Cup of Nations qualifiers happened. Well, Nodder's going to want to hear about this, isn't he? Because he doesn't want to hear about this, this NPL with the, with the rubbish and, defending. Tell us about this. And, and the great thing about AFCON is uh, we like to defend. So Nigeria, Ghana, 0-0. Perfect. Love Three, it. Two clean wow. sheets. Fantastic. Uh, Egypt, Senegal. 1-0. Stonewall. Beautiful. 1-0 is plenty. Uh, Algeria, Cameroon. 1-0. Love it. Uh, Tunisia, Mali. Finished up with a 0-0. 1-0. Oh, too many goals. And the ones who let us down. Morocco and DR Congo. 1-1. Boo. Oh, too many goals. If you got the over on the 1.5, you're spewing. Uh, well, as I said, uh, not a forward's not going to enjoy this segment, but here we are. It's our favourite. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. It is the naughtiest boy update and the naughtiest team update in the NPL. We had some real contenders here, but absolute standout naughty boy of the week, Declan Hargraves. What's yeah. Declan done, Sean? Declan's team's losing. He's a, he's a good, hard-tackling midfielder, which we all love, and we want to promote those defensive midfielders on this podcast. Can I just stop you there? Loved him last year at Gwellop, and... Um, I remember speaking to some people who were there, and they said, look, some of the games that we've lost, lost because we missed them. I, I heard the exact same thing. He's a very important player, and I think when uh, when he was out, they really realized how important he was, which uh, goes along with that feedback. But, oh, you don't miss him when he does things like this. Well, you are going to miss him when he does things like this because they're a goal down, only minutes remaining. Uh, there's a bad tackle in midfield, clear free kicks being given, and he thumps the ball at the uh, player on the ground. Pretty clear yellow card, I think we can all agree. Yeah. Oh, and then Joshy Nixon, our mate, gets out the yellow card. And as Declan's walking away, you can see, don't you love it when you see the look on a referee's face that he's writing something in his book and then goes, what? You've said something there. Oh, so he said something to the De referee. Declan's obviously said something a bit naughty. He's compounded the yellow that he's just got. Two yellows in the space of three seconds. Red card, they're going to miss him next week. He's and done that, to roll him in it. And that puts him right up the top. Uh, for our naughtiest boy of the year. But as far as naughty teams, Tommy, you called it. Gwell up one game in, seven points. So well, there was, the, there was the, the red card, but another four yellows as well. So you must be feeling pretty good about that prediction. 
Oh, it's just taking it one game at a time, Sean. <laughs> We're only, only two games into the season. A lot can happen between now and uh, September. Well, Bayswater and Sorrento are fighting for it as well. They had five yellow cards in just one game. Uh, Sterling and Balcata with the same number of points, but that's spread over, over two games. So that's your update. Guys, Josh, you've got something to say? I, I do want to say, I, Tommy's... Uh Tommy's modesty there with his prediction on the naughtiest team, very impressive compared to Kalichi's... Top of the league. Compared to uh, Kalichi's yeah. insistence that he be paid out on that Daryl Nickel bet already. No, no, we're three games in, Kalichi. We're not going to do that. Uh, so three De- games. Declan goes up with Aiden Formston with the only two red-carded players so far this season. Behind them with a cup, two yellows in two games is... is Good pace for a, for a naughty boy. <laughs> and Ryan Moulton and Billy Quincroft, who I think we all missed a trick there. No one mentioning Billy. He's uh, he's liable to kick out a few times yeah, I've but seen. But it's hard so. to get yellow cards as a striker, unless you're Angle. Well, the, those are the results so far for the naughtiest boy. Those are the results for... <laughs> Robbie's he's trigger happy with the sound effects today, isn't he? That's just for you, Declan. Uh, guys, Tommy, thank you so much for joining us in the studio. Pleasure. Hopefully get an invite to come back again soon. You are always welcome. Kalichi, you truly are the king of kings. Thank you. And Josh Chite. Thanks for letting me say goodbye, Sean. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Robbie. You are wonderful as always. I've been Sean Fry. That's been a fun podcast, guys. Bye. 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 See ya. Ain't no lie, baby. Bye. 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 Bye.